Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911 Friday show. TGIF. Thank God. I'm forgiven. Good morning, family. It's great to be back on our Friday show. We got a lot to cover. And uh, it's going to be an exciting show, very informative. Yep. And uh, it's something that all of us need to uh, be aware of because this topic, it's, I'm sure it's going to affect everybody you uh, know, have been, um, probably have, have uh, family members dealt, dealt with this. Yeah. Kids, with this issue. Kids, right. The Harry, so, we're going to talk about Harry Potter. Yes, that's what we're going to talk about. Yep. And a lot of you, uh, co workers, uh, uh, Brothers, sisters, uh, cousins have read this book, maybe. Right. And we just want to um, give you information so that you can sound intelligent when you have discussions. Right. Uh, and so you, you need to go get the, the, the article by Michael O'Brien is outstanding. Go to our website, vmpr.org, jesseromero.com. Get the article. It is outstanding. I don't know a better person uh, to lean on to get information on the Harry Potter books than Michael O'Brien. He's an author yes. for... He's an author for his, uh, a lot of books on fiction as well, and so he knows the power of the of, of the imagination. Yeah. But, bef- yeah. but before we start the book, let's just talk about uh, the month of August real quick. Yeah, the month of August. The Catholic Church dedicates the month of August to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. The Immaculate Heart is often venerated together with the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and with good reason. Just as the Sacred Heart represents Christ's love for mankind, the Immaculate Heart represents the desire of the Blessed Virgin to bring all people to her Son. There is no better example of the Christian life than that offered by Mary. Through the following prayers, which help, help to deepen our devotion in her Immaculate Heart, we can join the Mother of God in drawing closer to Jesus. Remember, she says, do as he tells you. Yep. And that's what we're doing here. We're telling do as he tells you. Correct. We're helping Mary, pointing the way to Jesus. Yep. By the way, today at, at Daily Mass is Matthew chapter 19. This is where Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ prohibits divorce. And uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to say that the only religion in the world that doesn't allow divorce is the Roman Catholic Church. I'm going to say it again. The only religion in the world that does not allow divorce is the Roman Catholic Church. Now, somebody may say, well, what about an annulment? That's not a divorce. Mm-mm. That's quite a different thing. That basically means that the church has investigated your case that was brought to the tribunal, and the church has deemed that it was not a sacramental mm-hmm. marriage because there was a there was a defect in the consent from one or both. Mm-hmm. And so there was never a marriage. <clears throat> Uh, so the church isn't granting a divorce because there was never a marriage. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's today's gospel. You may want to read it. It's a good. It's a good idea to read the daily mass readings. Yes, it only takes ten minutes, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, this is just a way. And I'll tell you why. Because even Father Vince Lamper said the. the he says uh, he's an exorcist from Indianapolis. He says the problem with this whole Harry Potter craze. He says most Catholics know more about Harry Potter than they know about the Bible. Yes, he goes, that's a that's real a... problem. Mm-hmm. He goes, yep. and most Catholics have read all eight books. Can you, can you mm. imagine that? All eight books and watched the movies, but they've never read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. 
That's a real problem. Mm-hmm. Well, the books, uh, the Harry Potter books, are you're inviting the demon in, in, into your body, and the and which uh, is the opposite of scripture. You're inviting the Lord into your soul yeah. by reading scripture, and you're pushing back all the evil that tries to penetrate you throughout the day. So, through reading scripture does it's a it's a those are arrow prayers because uh, you're you're. You're speaking and you're reading all about the one you love. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah. I think all of us have to be reminded that read the daily mass readings on your iPhone, get the Magnificat. There's all kinds of devotionals right. out there. And there's no excuse with modern technology and this day and age that uh, to be able to access the daily mass readings. Remember... Remember St. Joan of Arc said that the battle between us and demons is in the mind. Yes. So what you do when you read bad literature is you open up your mind yes. and your imagination to the diabolic. When you read good literature like the Holy Bible, you open up your mind and imagination to God, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit. So there's a big difference. Yes, you absolutely. You want to guard your mind. Yeah. I remember when I was a kid. there was Guard a co- your mind, guard your heart. Yeah. Your there, heart belongs to Christ. There was a commercial when I was a kid. It was funny. Mm-hmm. It had a black guy and it, it had uh, the commercial and there was an egg that was boiling on his head. And it said, uh, the commercial said, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. I remember mm-hmm. I was like a teenager and I was like, that's mm-hmm. kind of a funny commercial. A young black guy boiling an egg on top of his head and it was sizzling. And it said, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Well, that's, that, that's true. And that's why you don't want to waste your mind Absolutely. Re- reading things that are not going to build you up. Right. You have right. to ask, is this going to build me up? Mm-hmm. Does witchcraft and divination and sorcery and magic, does this build me up? The answer is no. Absolutely not. All right, let's jump into this article. It's called yep. Michael O'Brien Responds to His Critics Regarding Harry Potter. Yes. So it was an exclusive interview with Lightside Light News. On uh, It was back in July uh, 2011. Um, the July 18 Lightside News story, Harry Potter expert criticizes Vatican newspaper's glowing review of Deathly Hollows 2 was widely read and elicited many comments, both pro and con. So this, so is this John, that was a second book, right? Yeah, yeah, the Harry is, Potter. So this mm. is John Henry Weston interviewing Michael O'Brien. Yeah, he starts with a question. He says, how did you become involved in critiquing Harry Potter in the first place? What sparked that interest? And Michael O'Brien says this. As the editor of a Catholic family magazine in the early 1990s, I began to receive letters from parents asking my opinion on a new phenomenon that was appearing in children's literature with greater frequency. I really had no opinion on, no opinion on it. And then well-meaning people began to give such books to our children for birthday presents or urge them upon our family. And I thought, well, thank you, but I think I'll take a closer look at the material first. Yeah, the, he's, okay. Go ahead. He said the more he the more he read and the more he researched, the more he realized that there was a radical change happening in the literature and culture in general and especially in material aimed at young people. Certainly, he said, the themes were increasingly violent, although to some degree, children's literature has always had an element of violence. More worrisome was the corrupting of Western civilizations traditional symbols of good and evil, and also 
the growing presentation of occult powers as a way to defeat evil as though occult powers were morally neutral. See, that's yep. that's that last sentence is very mm -hmm. powerful there. Yep. This is the problem with it from a Catholic perspective is that the eight Harry Potter books, they try to show that occult powers are morally neutral. Mm. They're not. No, they're occult not. Occult powers are evil. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that, that uh, a Catholic parent, the red flag should raise. And you should say, Absolutely. Mm, wait a minute, wait a minute. Occult powers aren't neutral. Mm -mm. This is a bad message. No, there was. So the next question, Henry, uh, they ask uh, of uh, Michael O'Brien. They ask him, so this is more than just about Harry Potter. There were a number of other books as well. Yeah, O'Brien responds, yes, this has been going on for quite a long time. Some influential writers have promoted these themes beginning in the 1950s and accelerating until the appearance of Harry Potter. We have a worldwide phenomenon, phenomenon and unprecedented power and grip on the imagination of a generation. Potter is unique in the history of literature. Nothing like it has ever happened before. Yeah, she became a, she went, she was a basically unemployed, mm -hmm. J.K. Rowling's, almost living out of her car. <clears throat> and she wrote these, these eight books. She wrote them, I forget, the time frame was like, it, it was nobody's ever written books this fast. She's the only author in the world to become a billionaire. Not a millionaire, not a millionaire. A billionaire from books. Mm -hmm. uh, and these eight books, they said that she wrote them in record time. There's nobody that can write that fast. Mm -hmm. Nobody has ever written that fast. And uh, it's uh, it started a whole new genre mm -hmm. of, the, of, yep. uh, of people that are now very uh, curious about the occult. Yes. So uh, LifeSite News asks, uh, how do you account for it? What has made it so popular? Yeah. O'Brien responds, Part of it is due to the fact that J.K. Rowling is a talented storyteller, but she has also used the style and technique of modern television and cinema media, which seizes the imagination by pummeling it, bombarding it with powerful stimuli in a rapid pace with plenty of emotional rewards. So in the matter of style alone, she has made a major change in the way stories are told and how they are read. Most important, she has taken the paganization of children's mm -hmm. culture to the next step, in which sorcery and witchcraft, traditionally allied with supernatural evil, is now presented as morally neutral. In the hands of nice people, it's an instrument for good. In the hands of not nice people, it's an instrument for evil. Mm -hmm. She has shifted the battle lines between good and evil, which can have a disorienting effect, especially on the young who are on the stage of evil formation regardless of how wildly imaginative it may be good fantasy points us towards ultimate ultimate reality quote the moral order of the universe end quote as J.R.R. Tolkien called it corrupt fantasy points us or forms us in consciousness that can lead to the thinking that evil is good and good is evil. well we just yeah, we'll, we'll stop, stop right here there. and we'll continue on next segment Yes, we got a holy pause from the mother of our Redeemer. Yes. Blessed, blessed Virgin Mary, pray for us. Ora por nobis. We'll be back. Stick around. Yes. Pray for us.
We're back, family. We got Michael O'Brien in an article with LifeSite News where he answers critics or people are criticizing him about the Harry Potter mm-hmm. critiques that he's made. And so he's he's answering why he's made critiques of the Harry Potter series in his own words. Uh, yeah, he says, in the worst case, this may have some long-range effects, talking about the Harry Potter books, prompting the readers intuitively, subconsciously, to do evil while they're thinking, while, while they're doing, while they're, while thinking they're, do, they're doing good. And by the way, it reminds us of a, pro, a passage in Isaiah. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. It says, ah, those who call evil good and good evil. Well, so that's, that's right there in Scripture. Yeah. And uh, we're seeing it uh, play out right now in our society. Yeah. There's a there's such a, an inversion of reality. Absolutely. Most people don't know what good or evil no, is. No, they don't. Be- yeah. Right? So our secular society thinks mm-hmm. that good is evil and evil is good, like Isaiah the prophet mm-hmm. said. Exactly. Yep. yep. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we need to alert them. And this is yeah. what this article is all about. Yeah. It's... Uh, it also says here, uh, it says, uh, all my critique about the potential, nobody whom I know is saying that those who read Potter are destined to plunge into actual witchcraft or sorcery. However, studies conducted by the Barna Research, this is, this is interesting here. Yes. Revealed, uh, studies by the Barna Research Group mm-hmm. revealed a 12% increase mm. in occult activities among Christian students in the USA oh, after reading the Potter series and which the students themselves attributed to these books. Serious critics also raise concerns about other effects of saturating the mind of, in symbols of evil and adventures in which evil and good are redefined. That's exactly what's, what's mm-hmm. happening here. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, you know, it says all those that have read it are destined to plunge in it. Well, where are we? You know, when we pray the act of contrition, we need to. What is it? Avoid the near occasion of sin. And, and would, this is absolutely yeah. the occult, uh, occult, occult, re- occult reading is a near occasion. Of yeah, sin. these books are a new occasion of sin. I know there's some smart people out there that would disagree, but you know what? They're smart in other things, but when it comes to spiritual warfare, they're they're, they're just rank amateurs. Right, okay? right. Yeah, they they're they're good at uh, connecting dots on other things, but the fact is, uh, uh, there's at least eight exorcists that I know of, and a, and a bunch of other Catholic priests. And remember, a Catholic priest is like a military officer. Mm-hmm. The lay person is a soldier. So who outranks who? The officer outranks a soldier in all four branches of the military. A Catholic priest outranks the lay person. So when a Catholic priest tells you that the Harry Potter books are dangerous, like Father Amorth, mm-hmm. like, like Father Ripperger, mm-hmm. like Father Calloway, like Father, La- like Father Lampert, and a lay person tells you that they're not, who are you going to listen to? Remember, yeah. Catholics, a priest outranks a lay person, yeah. especially when it comes to faith and morals and the spiritual life. Remember the line of the authority, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. So, LifeSite News also asked them, asked O'Brien uh, regarding the various types of literature that you've critiqued. I gather the strongest reaction by far you've received has been in response to your writings and comments on the Harry Potter series. Is that correct? 
Tell us something about that, and how does Michael O'Brien respond? He responds, I've been writing critiques of the Potter series for more than 10 years. They were based on my earlier research on on what happens in the heart and mind and imagination of a child when they read good literature in contrast to corruptive literature. He continues, I, I knew there would be some controversy over the Potter series between religious people and secular-minded people. That was inevitable. What astonished me and continues to mm. astonish me is the intense controversy that erupted very early among Christians themselves in all the churches, Protestant and Catholic. That's my, my I added that. Yeah. He continues, it cuts across every denominational line. There is practically a universal characteristic in the way people defend Potter, and that is vehement anger. Well, that's what, isn't that one of the deadly sins? Anger. Yeah, one of the seven deadly seven sins. Seven deadly sins. Yeah. Anger. He's, Michael O'Brien says, I know about eight different criti- critics of the Potter series who either write books or magazine articles on the subject all our sober people, we're not talking about book burners here, nor witch burners. All of these people experience the same phenomenon among Christian circles. In their own congregation, among their friends and family, they suffer from personal attacks against them that are at times quite irrational. A kind of knee-jerk outrage against any criticism of Harry Potter. Hmm, that's a, that, that is what happens when Satan inserts himself... What does he do? Divide, divide, and divide. And that is what he does best. Mm. Mm. Michael O'Brien says, the, the critics whom I know are reasonable, calm people, who have merely raised questions about what appears to be a disordered and enormously influential piece of cultural material. We have learned that to even question it is to incite not only outrage, but false judgment against us. We're called book burners radical fundamentalists, suppressors of freedom, and so forth. If I listed what I've been called during the past 10 years, you'd laugh. It's quite amazing, and I think it points to deeper problems. Yeah, this this definitely could be a backlash, uh, which means this could be influenced by the diabolical, wouldn't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Harry, Harry Potter represents a much lar- larger wave of cultural revolution that we're all immersed in. And I believe it's a spiritual revolution as well, a negative spiritual revolution. It's showing us that we Christians have been so saturated in the shifting of symbols in our thinking, in our imagination, while at the same time we become so addicted to entertainment culture that we no longer see the problem, let alone know how to resist it. By and large, Culture is entertainment mm. now yep. among Christians, no less than the non-believers. We are very attached to what gives us pleasure, especially what gives us intense pleasure. And it is extremely difficult to have it questioned. And if there's a lack of, if there is a, a lack of freedom in our own interior life regarding the attachment, mm. that's the root cause of the anger. And it's, it, it, and it is a classic addictive reaction. Regardless of how intelligently it's articulated, it's basically an irrational loyalty. I like that. 
on mm-hmm. rational loyalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't you think, uh, you know, this is how uh, we are distracted from God, bread and circus, or pan y vino, yeah. you know, bread and circus, bread and circus, entertainment. Yeah, entertainment. that's the way the Romans uh, yep. control the, the, yep. the, the men yep. in the mm-hmm. cities of Rome. And I think many Christians are caught up in this, and that's why they get further and further away from, from Christ, his church, and prayer. You know, that's our communication to God. Yeah, because and, they're, just, just, yep. they're just busy till lady yes. getting entertained. Right, exactly. Just uh, feeding their lower passions yep. and ignoring their intellect, mm-hmm. which your intellect is one that's going to drive you to Christ and right. drive you to, you know, yeah, not on your, your not knees your and to heaven, Yeah, hopefully. So, uh, another question. Yeah, from- so Life Night News continues with this other question, and yet the reactions are presented as being very rational. O'Brien says, yes. As with all addictions, the, the addicted person will present in a calm, reasonable tone many arguments proving why he or she should remain a consumer of whatever is enslaving them. Now, enslavement and addiction is probably overstating the case, but surely we should ask ourselves why we are consuming with so little examine, self-examination cultural material that we have come to feel we can't do without. Mm. Why are we not applying normal prudential critical analysis to material that has such a power over us. What's happening inside of us that we cannot question it? Mm. <clears throat> so LifeSite asks, uh, ask uh, Michael O'Brien, so what do you think is happening? O'Brien answers, the dynamic of cultural erosion and assimilation by paganism happens on a number of levels. Man is a composite being. We are intellect. We are spirit. We are body. We are emotions. We have appetites of all kinds, physical appetites, intellectual appetites, emotional appetites. And if something like Harry Potter or let's say Stephanie Mayer's vampire series or Philip Pullman's his dark materials series has given us a great deal of intellectual satisfaction, pleasure and distraction. We feel that it simply cannot be unhealthy for us. We are capable of maintaining rational faith in a correct set of doctrines while at the same time consuming cultural entertainments that contradict those very doctrines. Wow, that's a good point. That last sentence Mm -hmm. that he just made right there. Yeah, when we repeat that again. We are capable of maintaining rational faith in a correct set of doctrines while at the same time consuming cultural entertainments that contradict those very doctrines. And on some level, Michael O'Brien says, we have concluded intuitively there's nothing wrong with this. <clears throat> it makes me happy. Emotion. It makes me feel good. Emotion. Yeah. However, the price of this kind of feeling good Emotion. Is, in, is ingesting a large amount of false messages. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's it. I like this. Uh, the price so, of this kind of feeling good is ingesting a large amount of false false messages mixed with, with true, true messages. messages. Mm-hmm. There are indeed values in the Potter series, but they're confused with anti-values. Yeah, that's what uh, uh, the serpent did to Eve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pe- mix and true false messages mixed with true messages. Yes, that's and, the deception. And and that her passion and her passions yes. overrode her intellect. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Even though she knows she was yeah. told that yeah. not to touch the, 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 the by Adam. Yeah, by by her by the by, patriarch mm-hmm. of the family. Yep. 
usurper. She was a usurper. That's why Stephanie yep. Wood wrote a book called uh, Ask Your Husband. <laughs> because uh, Eve, Stephanie Gordon. Stephanie Gordon. <laughs> ask Your Husband. It's a great book. I read it. Yeah, because uh, mm-hmm. Eve asked Adam. I think but, we don't ask our husbands enough. But she didn't listen to him. Mm-hmm. She didn't listen. Yep. And mm-hmm. look where we're at now. Yep. So Potter World is a scrambled moral universe. There are Christian symbols in the series, but the author misappropriates them, mutates them, and integrates them into a supposedly larger and broader system where evil symbols are dominant. See, there's a problem. Yeah. Evil in her books, her eight books, evil symbols are dominant. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Why are our antenna not quivering then when when that mm-hmm. happens? I believe it's because we have been overwhelmed by habitual dependence on Not the pleasure. pleasure. Yep. Yeah, Emotions. Yeah. <laughs> I should add that we have also been overwhelmed by many opinion shapers who tell us there is no problem here. Even Christian commentators, they just say, nothing to see here. Move on. I think on, that's a talking snake if you ask me. I believe you're right. Yeah. And here's ah, the here crusher she... of, of yes. the snake. The crusher of heresies. Her too. Heresies. Yeah. Absolutely. Mother Mary crushed, yep. crushed the Harry Potter series. Our Lady of Mercy. <laughs> Yes. Our lady question of heresy, pray for yes. us. We'll be what back with Nobis. Pray for us. you hold us in your arms. Your beauty and your grace are the bright new dawn. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. We are back, Jesus nine one one. Thank you, family, for staying with us at the bottom of the hour. Yeah. And uh, by the way, uh, yep. we're going to the Holy Land October sixth to the sixteenth. If you'd like to come with us, my yes. wife, my wife, myself, uh, my pastor, Father Craig, who's been a, a lifelong military chaplain, mm-hmm. he just retired from the military, and Father David Nix. Everybody mm-hmm. knows who he is. Mm-hmm. A very, a very bright theologian. Mm-hmm. Us four are going to lead the trip over to the Holy Land. October and 6th we want to you to 16th. come with us. Yeah, we want you to come. come. Yeah, yeah, we want come you to come. If you with can, us. you know, I, I know things are tight, but uh, not for everybody. Yeah, not for everybody. Some but people are Some rolling. people can. Yes, yes. Yeah. But I want to also mention a little commercial break for the Saint Therese School in Alhambra. She, the principal, we know her personally. She's outstanding. We know her background. She is an outstanding uh, Orthodox Catholic that knows her faith. And wants your child to get to heaven. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you, if you decide to put your child in that school, you uh, can trust that school. You can trust that school. Elma Cornejo is a personal friend of ours. Yes. The principal. Yes. Very good Catholic mm-hmm. woman. Okay. So yeah. LifeSite News asks Michael O'Brien the following. Mm-hmm. Well, many of the critics are saying it's just entertainment. It's just a movie. Why are you taking this so seriously, Michael? He says. Michael says. That argument, again, points to the deeper problem. Without really knowing how we arrived at this position, we have made an artificial split between entertainment and faith, between culture and faith. In other words, we say, I am doctrinally correct, Catholic or Christian. I question nothing the church is teaching. So if I want to watch videos, DVDs, television programs that violate those principles, I'm capable of focusing on the good and overlooking the evil. It goes without saying that we should try to find the good in everything and shouldn't always be looking for the evil around us. But when our consumption becomes an 
an insatiable appetite in which the evil components, the falsehoods and glamorization of evil activities are grave matters. And certainly sorcery and witchcraft is of the utmost gravity in terms of violating mm. divine order. We should pause and say, quote, is this worth it? Can I really ingest this amount of evil without being affected by it? Yeah, eight books, really, and and, I know. and, and a bunch of movies. Right, right, a bunch and, of movies. Oh, there's yeah, no, there's no harm. DVDs, videos, television programs. Yeah. These, it's going to affect you one way or another. It could bring number one, like you're inviting uh, demons into your home, you know, number one, or wherever you're reading these books or uh, uh, television programs. Or whatever it is that you're doing, you're inviting yeah. them, and, and, uh, and all they or, need or is a, the, or and the all ver- they need is an invitation. Yeah, you're inviting them if you're doing those spells. Yeah, or at the very least, yeah, you because say, you're reading okay, the book. I'm reading them, but I'm not doing the spells. Well, you're at least <sighs> opening the door to them. Yeah, it's just like this. You're reading, uh, like the Magnificat has a lot of, you know, prayers. Uh, prayers in there, and what are you doing? You're calling on God. Well, you're, what you're doing is calling on the evil, evil spirits. spirits. Yeah. Same say, thing. Oh, no, I'm not. I'm reading the book. No, no, no. no, no. no. Mm-hmm. By reading it. It's like if a, if a, yes. if a Buddhist grabs a Magnificat and reads the <laughs> Our Father. <laughs> I wish that would happen. Guess what? He's calling on God whether he's he knows it or not. He's calling on God. Not. Right, right. He just dialed up God. Yep, absolutely. And God is saying, ah, oh, somebody, somebody's calling me. Or they said Our Father. Yeah, so it's It's Buddha Muda. He's yeah, calling me. <laughs> exactly. So Michael O'Brien says. Well, maybe as an adult you might, but what about your children? Your children's consciousness is being formed, I would say assaulted, mm. <laughs> especially when they're young. Mm. Consciousness, the way one perceives the world, strongly affects how you form your conscience. And of course, your conscience affects how you choose between good and evil in the realm of action. And what I mean by assaulted is when you're reading those books, you're assaulting your consciousness. You know, it just and again, it just blurs it, mm-hmm. it blurs the ability yeah. for a young person now to to discern, yep. to understand right from wrong. Right. You know right. what I think? I'm, I'm think I think President Biden must have read the Harry Potter <laughs> books when he was young because this man does not know right from wrong. If not, I, maybe Joe Biden's uh, reading it to him. Maybe, she, or maybe he probably read all eight books and watched the, into all Joe, the movies because yeah. this man does not. And Nancy Pelosi doesn't know right from wrong. No, either. they don't. I think they're victims of the Harry Potter literature. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. <laughs> So Michael O'Brien says, Michael O'Brien says, there's a ferocious gut loyalty at work in the issue, provoking intense reactions when it's threatened. What does that say about us as a Catholic people? Have we become slowly boiled, as in the boiled frog metaphor? Are we now incapable of of self-examination and self-criticism? Are God's people now so easily manipulated, charmed, I might say, that we can no longer resist the spirit of the world. Have we mistaken assimilation by paganism as authentic enculturation? Hmm. And so yeah, life, life yeah, it just reminds me of the Egyptians, the Israel, the Israelites, and the you know, they were living with the Egyptians for four hundred thirty years, yes, and they and picked it, up all their bad their habits. habits. And and so, and, and so if Moses, you think that can't happen, yeah, Moses had to tell them in when this they, modern age it can. When they liber- when they were liberated from Egypt. Yes. And Moses had to remind him several, several times, times, don't do what you used to do, do over there in Egypt. Don't right. do this. In fact, there's this one passage in Deuteronomy 22 where Moses tells, tells mm-hmm. the Egyptian, 
they're called the Israelites back then, yeah. said, hey, men, don't dress like women. Hey, women, don't dress like men. Why? Because the Egyptians used to do that. Yes. And so, they, and the, the Israelites, they yeah, went, they oh, put makeup wow. on okay, according let's, to, let's, yep. let's mm-hmm. follow, let's do what the Egyptians do, our overlords. So the Israelites are doing the same thing. And Moses says, knock it off. Quit cross-dressing. <laughs> and that's what we're saying now. Yeah, knock, knock it, it off. off. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, LifeSite asked news. a question. Yeah, LifeSite News, they asked this question. In one of your comments from our story this past Tuesday, you said in the current Potter movie, quote, evil is presented as bad, and yet the evil means by which the evil resisted is presented as good, end quote. There was a reader comment posted asking for an example of the, quote, evil means, end quote, that you referred to. O'Brien responds, numerous examples abound throughout the seven volumes in the series. The ultimate example is to be found in the seventh and final volume novel. Mm -hmm. Here, Harry is involved in in a search for what are called horcruxes. The Mm -hmm. horcruxes contain a portion of Voldemort's soul. Since this arch enemy has divided his soul into these mystical objects spread throughout the world, Harry and his friend Hermione seek to find the Horcruxes and destroy them one by one, and they succeed in destroying some, which means they destroy part of Voldemort's Voldemort's soul. The final battle occurs after Voldemort kills Harry. Harry goes to a mysterious state beyond the grave where he meets with the deceased Dumbledore, his old mentor, who tells Harry that he can go on. He never defines what that means, or he can go back to Earth. Harry Sounds choos- like a demon to me. Harry chooses to go back to Earth, reincarnation. <laughs> he has literally died, but he can choose to resurrect himself. He is the chosen one. <laughs> but now he also becomes the master over death. So uh, This ensues the final battle. The Elder Wand is a wand of ultimate power that totally destroys any opponent. It is like the ring in the Lord of the Rings. But now because Harry has died and resurrected, the Elder Wand obeys him. The wand is in Voldemort's hand. And he points it at Harry to absolutely annihilate him a second time. But because Harry is the master over death, the wand obeys only Harry. And the curse rebounds upon Voldemort, utterly destroying him. Mm. So he's just talking about all the uh, the dark occult magic and divination found mm. in the book. None of this here... None of this here is, is congruent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Absolutely not. So LifeSite News asked Michael O'Brien, so using the powerful sorcery or evil power of the wand was the evil means by which he, Harry, resisted Voldemort in the last situation. Michael responds. He responds, it is a, a uttermost climax of the battle between perceived good and evil in the series. But that, but there are hundreds of other incidences incidents where Harry uses immoral means to destroy his enemies. For example, in an earlier scene, uh, one of Voldemort's servants insults a professor at Hogwarts, whom Harry is very fond of. Harry curses him with what is called a crucitus. That's a curse, a crucifying curse. It is unspeakable torture. There is no pain like it in the world. Harry just simply decides to crucify him. This is the same Harry who throughout the whole series has lied, has committed violence against others, human enemies, fellow students, 
sometimes in retaliation for their attacks on him, sometimes to further his cause. Lying is a very big thing all the way through, as well as other kinds of deceiving. Ah, the devil's got to be happy with yes, that. Yes, absolutely. And deceit, deception. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that identifies that, who Satan is. Absolutely. Uttering hundreds of curses and spells along with contempt, sneering, violence, bloodshed, death. It goes on and on. The last sentence is completely, mm. completely describes the yep. devil's attributes. Yep. He lies. Mm-hmm. He deceives. Thieves. He curses Sis. us. He has contempt for God. He, he sneers, sneers at, at God. He promotes violence mm-hmm. in society, bloodshed, and death. Mm-hmm. The last sentence where Michael O'Brien uh, describes the Harry Potter series completely describes Satan mm-hmm. and how he operates. Yes. So Lifesight News asked another question, but this is all presented as good as you say, and how does O'Brien respond to him? He answers, it's, a pre- it's presented as good because it is defending good, quote-unquote, characters from the ultimate evil, which is Voldemort. This is what Rome's exorcist father, uh, uh, Gabriel Morth, was referring, referring to uh, in his major warning that the Harry Potter series is imbued with moral relativism, teaching on practically every page that the, the, that the end justifies the means. And that goes right, against yeah. Catholic yeah. principles where the church says, nope, the end doesn't justify the means. That goes mm-hmm. against Catholic moral teaching. Yep. Hey, yep. I hear her, Our Lady coming. Yeah, Our Lady to our, the to Redeemer. The yes. Mother of Crusher of Heresy. Giving us holy pause. Yeah. Holy pause and holy yes, hope. I like that holy pause. <laughs> our life, our sweetness, sweetness and, and our, our hope. Right. Just yep. bringing it back to holiness. Yeah, bringing us back to, to end Jesus. this third segment. We'll be back. Yes. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Talking about Michael O'Brien's response to the Harry Potter critic. Stay with us. Your beauty and your grace are the bright new dawn. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. you hold us in your arms. Anybody that wants to know anything about the Harry Potter series from a Catholic point of view, Get any article written by Michael O'Brien. This guy spent over 10 years answering or or criticizing the Harry Potter series academically from an academic viewpoint. Mm -hmm. So here's what they ask him. LifeSite News. How should Harry have defeated Voldemort or tried or tried to have defeated Voldemort morally? O'Brien says the fundamental premise of Potter world is that there's no way to defeat Voldemort other than to use the same tools of death that he uses. Is there such a thing as good sorcery, defeating bad sorcery? No, there isn't. Therefore, the question it itself does not compute. If you're going to create a scrambled moral universe in a piece of fiction, there's no way you can unscramble it and present a truly justifiable means of defeating evil with evil. In fact, St. Paul says, don't mm-hmm. do that. Don't, dis- don't defeat evil with evil. Mm-hmm. And that is the premise of these books and films, activities absolutely prohibited by God, prohibited by God, and by the church are presented as saving powers. J.K. Rowling's underlying position is, let's pretend that God's rules don't apply to us. This is permissible because we're the good people, the nice people, and look how very bad Voldemort is. Mm. Lifeset News continues with this question. So as Christians trying to defeat Satan, we cannot defeat him at all. We can only do that through Christ then? He says, his response is, that is the basic truth of our faith. And the entire series and uh, films 
posit a contrary reality that one can defeat absolute evil by taking up the weapons of evil. As long as evil instruments, methodologies, Gnostic knowledge, and curses are presented as morally neutral. Wrong, Harry mm-hmm. Potter. You're wrong, yeah. J.K. Rowling. Mm-hmm. So LifeSite News asked, there's another reader comment that was made. Nothing is black and white. You have to be extremely flat-minded to shun any reference to magic. Michael O'Brien says, I'm not shunning any reference to magic whatsoever. No, I think magic is real insofar as evil spirits can assist in the exercise of witchcraft and sorcery and other occult activities and can sometimes seem to give the practitioner higher powers. Potter World succeeds very much in conveying an enormous dramatic impact to this effect with plenty of dazzle and flash and emotional rewards. Despite this, it offers readers a very flat universe, cloaking it by supercharging the redefinitions of what is black and what is white, what is up and what is down. The real war in the heavens and on the earth is a far greater drama. One of the problems with the Potter series is that it gives us false messages about about what the war is really about. People who fall in love with the Potter world are actually seeking, in a sadly limited way, a kind of pseudo-transcendence. Mm-hmm. There are preternatural powers, sometimes astounding powers, being exercised in the stories, but these are the powers that all Christian fantasists, for example, <laughs> Tolkien and Lewis, have shown are destructive in human hands. In the real universe, in the midst of the immense drama in which we are living, the powers that rightly belong to man are in the realm of his virtues and character, and these, when exercised in humility, lead on to salvation. In the Potter world, the saving of the world comes through acquiring secret knowledge and perfecting supernatural powers while never really developing significant character of virtues such as those we can so clearly see in the Tolkien and Lewis's heroes. Mm. And Life Science News continues with another question. There was an article written by John Grand- Grand- Granger this month in Christianity Today. Quote, it was titled, Harry Potter is here to stay, end quote. Scary. LifeSite News, just just very quickly, they, they continue. Can you summarize what might be the flaws in his arguments as you see them? O'Brien says, in his book and other articles, he sees the Harry Potter series as a Christian metaphor. Mm. This is an entirely superficial understanding of the stories a very selective reading of certain details in them, and an ignoring of an overwhelming amount of detail that contradicts the positive values and the occasional use of Christian symbols. Grandeur, like a number of pro-Potter Christians, is straining to find redeeming qualities in these profoundly disordered books. And of course, in a series with over 4,200 pages, there will be details that can reinforce his arguments though it demands a certain blindness to the other dimensions in in the book. All of us are immersed in a cultural revolution, one that is unprecedented in influence due to the new media's power over the mind and emotions. If we hope to rightly assess the the coming waves of culture assimilation, we will need to develop gifts of discernment that have been dormant within us for too long. We need to begin asking ourselves what kind of messages contemporary culture is giving us about the nature of good and evil and about and how to resist evil. If these messages are false, why are we consuming them so avidly and with such fierce loyalty? 
These are questions that we ignore at our own risk. LifeSite News asks, some of our readers have been wondering why a life and family issues news service that focuses on abortion and other moral issues is reporting on the Harry Potter phenomenon. What are your thoughts on that? Michael O'Brien says, I think, first of all, that in the Potter series and its spinoff films and subsidiary marketing industry, we have the promotion of a mental environment of death. Mm -hmm. One might say a culture of death. Harry Potter's world is death's realm, one in which death is defeated only by death. This is a message pounded home to readers continuously throughout all seven volumes, and the final volume is a veritable orgy of death. <clears throat> Most importantly, death is presented again and again as a solution to evil, not only to the ultimate problem of evil as embodied in Voldemort, but to many lesser evils. Readers are imprinted uh, numerous times over with both overt and subliminal messages that violent death solves problems. There's no natural death throughout the stories. While hundreds of characters, young and old, good and evil, are killed by violence of various sorts, mostly magical violence, the core message, death is the way we can solve problems. In this sense, the series has great bearing on the future of the pro-life movement and its resistance to the culture of death. Question from Lightside News. It says, and that's reflected of our current culture already. O'Brien answers, I would say it is symptomatic of the author's preoccupations, and I would guess that it, re it represents the fears inherent in their, her Im immense audience. It embodies in a fictional form a fundamental fear of death and behind, behind it a fundamental fear of life, a lack of hope. If a person feels absolutely alone, abandoned, orphaned, and such is the consciousness of those without a sense of the fatherhood of God, then what is left but the sizing of an, the seizing of an unlawful no, knowledge and power and the demolition of all authority except one's own mm. will. In this way, the f fictional hero and the readers who identified with him are reinforced in the tragic. Tragic, tragic sense that power alone saves. So Henry Weston asks, so the international abortion, euthanasia, depopulation movements seem to all have those characteristics in common. O'Brien, Michael O'Brien says, yes, I would say they believe that death solves our social, familial, economic, ecological, political, and psychological problems. On every level of society, we are told and told most powerfully through cultural vehicles that the unjust taking of human life is a saving act. John Harry Weston asks another question. How does homosexuality fit in with this? That is something that Rowling is known to be very supportive of. Brian answers, O'Brien answers, after the final book the series, the, the, in the series was published, in an interview at Carnegie, Carnegie Hall in New York, Rowling told a packed audience that the great guru of the series, Professor Dumbledore, who is a chief warlock and headmaster of Hegwar Hogwarts. Ho Hogwarts, was gay. This after-the-fact detail is not present in the stories themselves, but it shows that Rowling desires to put herself firmly in the camp of those who would reject the Judeo-Christian moral order. She calls Dumbledore's unresolved love for another male sorcerer the great tragedy of his life, a tragedy because it was Unfulfilled. He goes on to say, throughout the entire series, there is a constant degrading of authority in any form. Most importantly, the image of the father and father figure is weakened at every turn. Mm. Vernon Dursley, the uncle who's Harry's early guardian, is a grossly insensitive, abusive man. His godfather, Sirius Black, is a highly unreliable image of manhood. Dumbledore 
His surrogate father, Guru, we're told is gay, and in the novels he chooses to be euthanized in order to avoid the kind of suffering Voldemort is about to inflict on him. There is not a single consistently moral father figure in the entire epic. Wow. Harry's own father, a sorcerer, was killed by magic violence at Harry's birth. I suppose a case could be made that James Potter was remotely a good father figure, though he was entirely absent throughout the boy's life. This undeviating lack of positive parental role models may indicate something unresolved in the author's own life, or it may not. However, there is no doubt that it taps into the major wound in, in late Western man, that is, the devastating effects of fatherlessness. It is now known that the sense of fatherlessness due to either absent or abusive mm-hmm. fathers is an element in the lives of many people who struggle with same-sex attractions. Militant homosexual activists as distinguished from people with same-sex attractions who strive to live according to God's plan of salvation are often allied with aggressive pro-abortion and pro-euthanasia movements. Mm-hmm. The people involved in these movements also suffer from a sense, of, a sense of loss of spiritual fatherhood. Cultural works that negate family life and true motherhood and fatherhood will play a role in spreading the agenda to the coming generations, not so much through political indoctrination as through creation of endearing role models who enflesh the moral relativism. All three forms of social revolution reflect the lack of faith in the fatherhood of God, which in the real universe, in the hierarchical universe, is incarnated through spiritual authority in various vocations, including the fathers of families. The Harry Potter series, I believe, he continues, reveals to us that it is time for we men to rediscover authentic spiritual fatherhood and to defend our families one might call it def- defense against the dark arts. Good yes. for Michael O'Brien. Yes. I think he put out a good a good defense I, of his I, position. Absolutely, it's just very a, convincing. I think uh, some some of you some of you out there that want to read, just go to the website and you'll see the article right there. It's something to read again yeah. and and to uh, to defend Take your position. Take it yeah. slow. Defend your position, and you're probably wondering why are they bringing this up? That was yesterday's news. No, it's. It's current. People yeah. are still reading these books. They're still buying them. Um, we went to a retreat. And there's a couple of a spiritual a lot of warfare. A lot of spin-offs. A, a spiritual war- warfare training. And there was a Harry Potter book at this at this retreat. Right. Uh, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Not at the retreat, but at the, it was at in the my, location. It was, it was in our room. I took it out and I put it in the main hall. So I'm not going to sleep at night with nope, this Harry Potter absolutely book. Absolutely not. And I put it in the main hall. And what happened? All the plumbing was stopped. They had to call the plumber. <laughs> Nothing yes, worked. And the, right. retre- the retreat owner said, this has never happened. Mm-hmm. I put the Harry Potter book in a bathroom because I don't want it to be in my bedroom. And all the plumbing stopped right before Father Chad Ripperger was going to come yeah. on stage. This is Jesus 911. We'll see you next week. So. Yeah. God bless you. God Keep bless you. Have a wonderful weekend.